We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa dematis Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of The Connection. I am one of your hosts, Lisa dematis Lapore, and uh, Ann Baldwin is, while well, she's with me today in the studio, she's not joining me on this show, but I can see her beautiful face. I'm waving to her. Hi, Ann, Hi. with the beautiful eyes and a uh, little blue stri- uh, stripe in her hair, but we won't talk about that today. Um, very excited about the talk we're having today. We have two amazing guests. Um, from the Department of Correction. They're both parole managers, Pam Gordon and Donna Savoy. And we're going to be talking today about women in prison and reentry and reintegration into the community for women. And this topic is extremely near and dear to my heart for many reasons. One of them is because when I first came to the Connection in ni- April 21st of 1991, do not guess my age, Um, I came to the connection because what I had seen was such a lack of treatment, gender-specific treatment, and also services for women in general um, in Connecticut, and found myself drawn to wanting to provide services for them. And many of the women that we've seen through the years and from the beginning of time at the connection have come out of um, incarceration and have lost their family and their children and have had some pretty tragic histories of trauma, etc. So I am really excited to have both of you here today to talk about your work and what's happening in Connecticut with our women. So um, I'm going to have you both introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Donna Savoy, parole manager. Um, I've been a parole manager for the last four years. I started in the Department of Corrections in 1999, so same thing, don't calculate. Um, (laughs) And I started actually at the women's prison as a correctional officer. Wonderful. And then I got promoted to counselor, and I started working with the male population for about uh, 10 years inside, and then was promoted to a parole officer and ended up being asked if I would start the women's reentry unit seven years ago. So, and at first, most people's reaction is they do not want to work with the women because there's so many other issues that come along with them. Right. But after doing it now for so many years, I think if there's any population that we can affect, it is the female population. So, um, so then I got promoted to a parole manager to run the female unit for the whole state. And now I've just been assigned somewhere else and Pam Gordon has taken over the women's unit. Well, hi, Pam. Hello. It's nice to see you today. Thank you. Same here. So tell us a little bit about the work that you do. Um, well, once, my name is Pam Gordon, and I've been with the Department of Corrections since 2005, and I just took over the women's unit um, about a month ago. Um, so basically, we work with the females when they're released into the community from um, York Correctional Facility, which is our only female correctional facility in Connecticut. And how many um, folks can be housed there? in the prison? In York, I believe it's about 
I want to say it's about 1,200. 1,200 women can be can be placed in incarceration there. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the can you talk a little bit about some of the offenses that the women are um, at, at York for? What are they coming in for? Um, mostly nonviolent offenses, okay. um, drug charges, um, prostitution, mm -hmm. um, things like that. That are mostly related to um, drug addiction? Yes. Yeah. Larcenies. There's a lot of larcenies um, that end up happening, embezzling. Um, from different companies and different things. I mean, of course, we have the violent offenders as well. Of course. Um, well, domestic violence issues, things like that. But, you know, you always wonder, did that stem from them? Of course. You know, having issues? And of course. And what is the age range of the um, incarcerated women? Um, right now, so they do have a, a youth area. Oh, they do? But I'm honestly not sure as to how okay. many young mm -hmm. kids are in there. But it's usually 18, 18 and up. 18 and up. Yes. And uh, I'm just curious, can you give me an age range up to, um, so if you're saying 18, what may be in the latter part of someone's years, how old you're saying um, females? 50s, mid-50s. Yeah, even 60s. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, but we do have a few that are lifers as well, you know, so those course, would be on. Of you know, course. Those would be on for. So um, tell us um, about the work that you're doing with the women in reintegration. And you did... Um, you did say something that I really um, would like you to expand on, and that is the fact that these are complex issues that the women have. So can you also talk about that? Well, so m most of these women have went through some sort of trauma throughout mm -hmm. their life. So just us understanding that from the beginning is a huge obstacle, I think, that we didn't look at years ago. So now knowing that almost all of them have been through some sort of trauma our officers are highly trained to recognize that as well, which is great. We've even brought it to York as well. Like York has trained their officers now a little bit more and to just recognizing, you know, a girl might be fighting when you handcuff her because that's just her instinct, you know, because she's exactly. fighting because something might have happened to her, you know, when she was younger, not because she's trying to fight a correctional officer, you know. So just being aware of the trauma that's happened to them throughout their life, I think is Probably one of the most important things. And so when we're talking about trauma, so our listeners understand, we're talking about emotional and physical abuse pretty much, right? History stemming back for a lot of the clients, even from potentially childhood or other yes. issues that occurred, familial, et cetera. Um, and I think that that's really important, um, exactly what you said, because I think it's a lot of times that they're misunderstood. C women are misunderstood in general, and I think it's really difficult. Um, to, if you think about in general, being a female, there's so many things that we have to balance, and there's so many roles that we're expected to play, and that's really difficult. So that the stressors are very different, right? And then if you are growing up in a family where there's substance abuse, domestic violence, and generational cycles of abuse that we all see, right? It's really difficult. And again, I want to, I think this is important, is socioeconomic class, there's no prejudice here. So I know that you're, the, the women that you're saying are the women that, that we're saying at The Connection and other agencies are saying, which is that it affects all socioeconomic classes of society, right? Yes, absolutely. And so can you talk a little bit about what types of services that um, women are getting when they're incarcerated and talk about what, which I think is really important, is the reintegration back into the community, which is really key to a woman's success, especially in 
um, building a support system, reuniting with family, if family's still available, and if they have any children. And, and all the losses, right, that they're experiencing while they're in, incarcerated is extremely difficult. I can imagine we see that when they come back out. So how do you, you know, feelings of guilt, feelings of shame, feel, you know, blaming themselves, et cetera. So talk a little bit about um, what happens when a woman is incarcerated and the preparation for when she is ready to reintegrate. Well, a lot of it is left up to them while they're incarcerated, you know, so if they want to change, there's so many programs in there to help them learn different things about them. I think you guys actually may do Seeking Safety. We do. We do Seeking Safety. So that's a huge group. And that's actually at York as well as out here in the community. But we do not ever force a female to go into that group. Of course. So if she's not ready to deal with her trauma, but... I always encourage you know our females to do that because I always feel like if they learn where a lot of this behavior is coming from, then they maybe they can change it. Absolutely. Um, but they do have they have they actually just we've been involved in the Worth Unit that just opened up at York. Tell us about that. So that's um for young offenders, so the 18 to 25 year old female population. So they actually created a whole new building for them. Um, they have peer mentors. They Fantastic. have. Fantastic. So it's they made an beautiful program there and like I said we've been involved in it a lot because those kids we would call them are coming out to our supervision so we've even done some in reach where we'll go into the prison talk to the females like I went there last month had six of the girls come I just sat and talked to them for about an hour just they asked questions about parole they asked you know what to expect different conditions and then I sat down with each one of them individually and just went through you know any questions that they had to kind of put their mind at ease a little bit more about coming out um, and just help them figure out who their officers were. And just, so I think that in reach is going to be a huge thing, you know, that hopefully we're going to continue doing, but they're always coming up with different programs and different meetings. Like I said, we're always trying to stay very involved with York CI because they're coming out from there, you know? That's right. That's, oh, that's wonderful. Um, what are, so just curiosity. So you, you know, you talked about this one example of having a group of these women, what were some of the um, the themes that came really from that um, from that group? Aside from, I'm sure there's fear, there's concern. You know, what do I do now if they've been incarcerated for a long time? What are their what are what are their options? What, and also, my question is, what do you see? Where are these women going when they're getting out? Pre- treatment programs is preferred, right? right a reentry right. program. Absolutely, yeah, and that's. We were actually chatting about this earlier, just saying that a lot of them are not picking safe places to go when they get out. So it's kind of up to us to make sure we're checking and making sure it's a safe place for them to go. Because really, to get out of prison, you're going to probably put down anywhere if it's going to get you out of prison. Exactly. So we try, we would love for them to go to, you know, a treatment program first, especially if they've been incarcerated for a long period of time, for them just to learn how How to to reintegrate reintegrate back into the community, you know, where they just come out. Um, one of the girls was actually, I think, 17 when she committed her crime. So she was in for six years at this point. So for her to get into a, a halfway house was just a huge opportunity, really, for her to be able to just learn how to be an adult, really, because she grew up in prison. Wow. So, But she, she just got out, actually. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully, fingers crossed, she does a great job. That's fantastic. Um, can you talk also a little bit about um, what this sort of the day-to-day is like um, 
in Niantic with regard to what are programs that, again, you know, you don't force people to do things, but what are some, because there are many opportunities and many things that they can learn and they do learn. And I think that's important for people to understand. So what are some of the, some of the things that they're able to um, participate in as far as growing or changing in groups and things like that? So, I mean, like I said, we do a lot more out in the community, but I know inside they have the Marilyn Baker program, which is an inpatient um, drug treatment program that they, they sign up for if they want to go to it and they learn. And I don't know, honestly, how long they stay there. I want to say it's about six months they stay there. Mm -hmm. um, and then they can transition to another housing unit. They have the moving on group inside as well. So, which is a great group that teaches them just positive relationships and, you know, just how to be positive, how to be positive in life. Um, obviously, drug treatment they have. They have um, educational programs, GED. Um, they're able to take college courses inside as well. That's fantastic. So talk a little bit about your role as a um, uh, parole manager and exactly what you do when working with the women when they're reintegrating into the community. So well, we have seven officers that work throughout the state. So they cover every, they have, the whole female population for the state. The only females that they don't have are the mental health population. So most of our females have mental health problems, issues, you know, that we can deal with, but usually the higher level mental health would go to actually the mental health unit. Um, and DUI, we do not have, we have our own unit for the DUI females. So they actually, for the home confinement and sex offenders. So the sex offenders would go to the sex offender unit. So those are the only females that we don't have. Other than that, they cover the whole state. So seven officers have That's the whole amazing. State. Yes. Wow. So um but so they're the ones who really are doing a lot of the interactions. Our role as a manager is more to support them because they hear all of these traumatic stories and all of these things. You know, so it's very it's difficult, you know, and I was an officer with the females for three years, so it is difficult sometimes, you know, going home and going why did this happen to this girl when she was 10 years old? You know, like there's stories I'll never forget, you know, that have been told to us. So as a manager, I think our goal is to just support them That's and make exactly. sure that they're taking care of themselves. And, and they'll call us, you know, when something goes wrong, you know, when, you know, when a female's using or they have tons of interactions with DCF and, you know, trying to make sure that the children are safe as well. Absolutely. It is incredibly stunning to really hear story after story of the trauma and really what these women have gone through. Um, there's so many cases and just when you thought you've heard the most um, traumatic story, you hear another one that you can't even believe. And of course, in my history at The Connection, you know, we see that and we've continued to see the stories of women coming out of incarceration and coming into treatment. And the good news is, and I do agree with you, that that next step of reentry is so key and programs are really needed for the women, for anyone coming out, but especially as a woman, because as, as you said, their issues are so unique and the level of trauma is so difficult and you have to deal with those when that particular person is ready to deal with them, right? It's like peeling an onion. You keep taking a layer off and you find out one more thing. And um, I'm sure you can relate to the story when you, uh, because you talked about when a woman is put in handcuffs, sort of why is she responding that way? <clears throat> we, excuse me, um, I can recall we had uh, a client who, um, came out of a resident she was in she was incarcerated she went to one of our residential treatment programs did very well 
custody back of her child and she was getting an apartment to live in and um it was a lovely apartment um however it was near a she could hear we could hear she could hear the railroad she could hear the train she can hear that noise and she didn't want to live there and she was screaming and yelling and you know i can remember at that time i was in a different role and the staff called and said you know she's being unreasonable and she doesn't want to live there and i said well did you ask her why like what is it and it is because when she was sexually um molested over and over again she lived near a uh, she lived near a train uh, railroad station and so she would hear the sound of the train and that was a trigger for her right so it wasn't that this particular client wasn't appreciative and wasn't ready, but that specific spot was not going to be successful for her. So you're right, learning and training, um, training the probation officers and letting them understand, right, um, what's going on, I think is really key. And I really give a lot of kudos to the department for recognizing that the level of trauma and issues for women are prevalent and that folks need to be trained to assist these women as they're getting out and and attempting to really become um, effective citizens in society. And we do see that they can be and that they do. And that what happens is when they're making those changes because they have people in their life for once who really do care about them, right? And who are a steady and who aren't gonna let them down because they don't trust people, right? When they build that, the self-esteem, you know, they build their self-esteem, right? I'm just laughing because that's one of the things I actually wrote down as I was driving here, thinking about the obstacles that they go through. And I thought that's, this is one of the first times they've ever had a positive person that's, and it's really their parole officer. So some people are like, that's weird, you know, but this is the first time they've ever had a positive role model, you know, that cares about them doing something and doing well in the community. I mean, I've had times where I actually brought females back and they were crying in the back saying sorry to me. And I would say, no, it's not, you know, it's not me, it's you. You know, you have to think about yourself and your children and, you know, your family and stuff. But they feel like they're letting you down, you know, because you are the first person who's ever really been that consistent person like, in their life. And we actually have one male officer in the female unit at this point. And we did actually go back and forth, like, is that going to be beneficial for them? Is it not just due to, you know, the different issues that have happened? And it's been great because same thing, he's the first positive male role model that they've ever had where that's not looking for anything that's not exactly you know that's supporting them you know and exactly. trying to get them to do something positive but it, it is amazing when you they start to see you know that they can accomplish things and because they've been put down most of their life telling them they can't do anything you know so now you have someone saying you can do this you can do this then you can definitely see a change you know in the way that they look at things the meaningful it's really about meaningful connections and really those roles that you folks play and that any staff that works with this population and all of us really when working that we meet folks where they are and really get to know them and i do believe that these folks are so um, tuned into who's really there for them. I mean, they'll test you, but who's really there for them and who really gets to know them and that you really respect them for who they are and you understand. And um, it is scary because they haven't had that in a long time. So those connections are key for all of us. If we think about, I mean, I know we can all talk about who's been a role model in our life and who's been there for us really through the ups and downs. And those are the people that have impacted our life in a positive way to help us move forward, right? So there's really no different. Um, what are some of the other um, other things that you see happening in the department with females moving forward for Connecticut? Because it's really exciting that I feel like you guys are on this really exciting, 
um, journey now with women and really making some positive changes. And that's um, really wonderful to hear because we know that there's probably more women out there that right that need services, but also that are going to come into, you know, that are going to be incarcerated, but not necessarily because they want to, but because of circumstances, right, beyond their control sometimes, and bad relationships and parents. But what are some of the other exciting things that you see moving forward for um, through the department for clients? I honestly think one of the biggest things that we have done in this unit is to come up with a gender responsive um, assessment that we do. So, and that's something, there's not many states that are actually doing this at this point. And we actually have now, York is trained, so they've been doing it on females as well. We're doing it out in the community, and then probation does it as well. So we're one of the only states, you know, in the that's country fantastic. that are doing that. And this assessment is just it just gets all of the things that the women are struggling with, you know, and it actually talks about abuse. It talks about, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, like where the officer's getting to know this offender a little bit better. Um, but then it has the strengths as well. So they actually get points for the strengths, which is great. You know, if they have education, they get points. If they have uh, parental involvement, they get good points. You know, really the points taken off. So the lower the assessment rates out, the less we really see them because they're less risk they are. So, but this assessment has definitely been huge. And like I said, it gets the officers to get a chance to actually, you know, know the offender a little bit better, you know, by doing this assessment. And it takes, you know, if they're doing a good one, probably 45 minutes to an hour to do this assessment on them and just find out what are their needs. You know, we, every one of them doesn't have the same need. So one might have housing issues where the other might be drug treatment, you know. So we were before, we were just giving them all the same treatment. Where now this assessment it goes, well, wait a minute, you know, like she needs help with parenting, you know. She doesn't, she doesn't necessarily have problems with the drug use, but she needs help with parenting, you know. So then we can focus in on that and we talk to them and try and decide which programs they want to do and which ones, you know, they think will be beneficial for them. So usually we pick the top three things that they rated out as. And then we focus on those. So that's fantastic. So for those listeners um, that are just tuning in, um, are, we're talking today about women in prison and uh, reintegration into the community. And we've been speaking with uh, parole managers from, from DOC, Pam Gordon and Donna Savoy. And um, we've been talking about, you know, the importance of reentry and also new tools that are being used um, within correction right now that are gender specific and really um, rating where women are and what their issues are so that people are getting used to um, the stat, you know, the folks that are working with this population are getting used to what what exactly the issues are at hand, and so they're dealing with people individually, which is key. They're honing in on what the issues are, and then they're better to provide services um, when they, you know, leave the community. What do you love about? What do you like about your job? Why do you do this work? <laughs> I'm serious. Why do you? I really. I mean, that's really key because it's it's obvious you have passion and it really means a lot to you. But especially as females, can you both tell me, you know, sort of what brought you to the, to, to where you are today, and what personally do you take away from from the work that you do every day? Um, well, like I said, personally, they asked me if I wanted to do this, you know, seven years ago, and I was like, ah. Oh, think so because like the, <laughs> most usually like the women you know nobody wants to work with because there are so many complex issues that come with it um, but then after you know doing it for probably six months I started to realize wait a minute this is actually this is amazing you know to be able to really help you know and like we can kind of we were able to kind of 
go out of the box a little bit, like in our thinking with the female population, which was nice. You know, it wasn't, we just came up with just different things, you know, and at one point, at one point, you know, I brought a female to go get an HIV test. She would not go. She started using, was convinced that she had HIV. So I brought her to the appointment to get checked and she didn't have it. And it was a whole change in her mentality, a whole change in everything. You know, at that point, you know, she realized, oh my gosh, like I do have something worth living for, you know? And I thought, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm supposed to take her to the doctors, but you know, she wasn't going to go because she had nobody to take her. So, um, and then she wanted me to go in and I was like, oh gosh, you know, I hope this comes out to be like a good result, you know? But, um, I guess at this point now I do it because there is such a need and there's so many people don't understand the difference between the female and the male population and that I just feel like we're here to protect them, yes. you know, and that we should not be sending them to places that they shouldn't be going, you know, like Absolutely. we are here to not ever allow them to be traumatized again, okay. you know? And so I think that's what's happened this last, you know, four years as becoming the manager is just looking at different situations that just aren't safe and saying, this isn't safe for them. You know, I'd rather have them go to a program or go somewhere to be safe because that's the last thing that we need is any more, you know, victimization of Absolutely. them. But, Absolutely. So I guess my thing was just to be able to help, you know, help a few of them. So, and I know I have, because some of them still call, you know, after years, you know, just saying that they're doing well and they're still doing well. So that's the best. It is. It is the yep. best feeling to know that you made an impact and the system is really working and really providing for these women the things that they need to continue on with their life and really rebuild, which is very difficult. It's not, it's not easy. It's not so easy as people think. No, not at all. It is not easy at all. Trauma and all the issues take a lifelong time to really recover and get over. I mean, you're talking about really severe issues. Um, I just enjoy helping the females, helping them to reintegrate back into the community and to get their lives on track, to help them with their children and to be able to reunite again with their children. You know, being away from your child is very hard. And it's, you know, just seeing them being with their children and reintegrating back into community and being successful and growing from there. Mm -hmm. And um, can you talk a little bit about the women that are incarcerated that do have children? Are they able to, some of them be able to see their children? Do they have visiting hours and sort of how does that work? Um, are, they are able to visit with their children. Um, family would have to bring them. DCF brings them as well. Yeah. Um, so they, they are able to keep an open line of communication with their children. That's really great. Just as long as they haven't had you know, their rights terminated or something like that. Absolutely. That's a whole nother issue. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say, um, I'm curious, what are the caseloads looking like for women coming out now for reentry? Well, originally when the unit was created, they were supposed to have 25 um, females on their caseload. And then now it's about 40. Mid-40s. Yeah. Wow. Mid-40s. Yes. Wow. So That's a lot of women. It is, especially when there's so many issues, you know, that come up. And like I said, really, they deal with DCF a lot. Right. Um, and a lot of times they're dealing with housing issues. You know, they'll housing put down is so important. They'll put down somebody to get out of prison and then realize, you know, two or three days later, this person was not a safe person to go to. So now the officers are scrambling, trying to find a safe place for them to go to. We, we need, we definitely need more uh, treatment facilities for women. This is... Um, this is near and dear to my heart, and we really, you know, we, we can't, this is a population that, and I'm not suggesting they are, but this is a population that 
should not, and nor am I implying that they are thrown thrown by the wayside. And with the amount of women um, that need help right now in Connecticut, it's it's a real problem. It's serious, and I'm really grateful for the work that you're both doing. And I want to say thank you. So. I hope our listeners enjoyed our show today. I want to thank um, Pam Gordon and Donna Savoy for their great work at the Department of Correction. We are really um, happy that we are able to collaborate with the Department of Correction. I'm really excited that you're doing this work for women. I would love for you folks to come back, so I want to say thank you. And to those listeners out there, I hope you have a lovely remainder of a Sunday. And my next, our next show will be with my lovely co-host, Ann Baldwin. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Connection, WTIC News Talk 1080. has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.